Coaches. Joining me back at QuickBooks Life, my third back-to-back interview. We're working away for you, dear listeners, to bring you A-grade premium content is someone who, and listeners, you're very, very lucky, Cassie Devine is the VP of QuickBooks Online. That's right. Now I have to live up to A-grade premium content. You better. Uh, Australians don't know what VP, Vice President, President, we don't have this corporate structure. What does this mean? What do you do? Well, people on my team would tell you I'm overhead. (laughs) People in my family would tell you I'm who you call if you have complaints about the QuickBooks product roadmap. Um, I lead a team across a number of the products on our online platform, and my job is to push us to prioritize the things that will make the biggest impact for our self-employed and small business customers and our accountant and developer partners and hit them in the right order for maximum impact to change customers' lives. Amazing. Now, I want to do something we've never done on Trenches. I want to read out your LinkedIn profile. Is that okay? (laughs) I guess so, yes. Business leader known for building teams, we've commented on that already, obsessing over product experience, to make customers' lives better, creativity and hustle. I don't like hustling. I like having a break. (laughs) And a very loud laugh. Passionate (laughs) about driving diversity and inclusion in technology with an eye of fostering an amazing environment for women. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Wonderful. When not at work, you're likely in... This is the bit we want to get to. The felt section of the fabric store getting inspired for the next product lineup of a seasonal Etsy business. Give it a plug. What is it? (laughs) I have an Etsy shop called DIY Costumes. And (laughs) it allows you... Well, thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll be looking for your business this this Halloween. So it helps you turn a sweatsuit for a little one into a creature. So oh, I do my all creatures. Love this. Sharks, dinosaurs, hippos, and uh, I have both kits. I I sell fewer of those because sometimes my day job takes over my life. Yeah, uh, fair my enough. day job and my daughter. But I sell kits and also patterns. And very passionate about people creating things and and grew up sewing and it's sort of a lost art and so I'm hoping to get people excited and I give 10% of my proceeds to the World Wildlife Fund to to support the creatures. That's brilliant. So listeners, if you want your little boy or little girl to dress up as a lawyer for Halloween, you can get a shark (laughs) costume from Cassie's store. (laughs) Cassie, let's talk a little bit about actual accounting. The great part about Intuit is your global view on the world. What's your view of the global small business market uh, globally? Wow. That's a, that is a, a, a big question. You know, I have been to a lot of the markets that we serve around the world, and there are lots of different local differences, but I see a lot of the same common problems, and I see a lot of the same thing that you see everywhere, which is small businesses powering the economy, small businesses creating jobs, small businesses creating jobs not only in the country but in local economies, and really creating a lot of opportunity. And I see small businesses in every market facing the same things. How do I get customers? How do I get those customers to pay me more? How do I think about what I'm, really understand what I'm earning? And accounting is one small part of that. I learned early with my Etsy shop, accounting doesn't get much fun until you have sales to account for. (laughs) Um, And so I recognize that we're part of The red goes to black. Yeah. (laughs) We're part of that picture. But I think around the world, we see lots of the same opportunity, the same struggles, and and that market is, is slowly growing. And our job is to help all the businesses that fail 
have more success and we'll see a lot more growth. Small business is always changing. It's it's part of the beauty of being small is the ability to innovate quickly. You don't have committees, you don't have teams, you don't have management meetings that you need to wait for, gender items you need to jostle for, politics you need to wrangle. But with all that innovation, it's probably never happened as fast as it happens right now. I was talking to a futurist last week who he said, you think things move fast now? This is the slowest it's ever going to get. What changes have you seen across small businesses across the world and you know, kind of since this whole cloud thing came about? Yeah, a lot of change. I think one of the, the things I hear from business owners the most is that they are struggling with finding where their customers are because platforms are just pl- proliferating. Hard to get that word out. And, and so I was just talking to one business who said Instagram, for, a, for example, a year ago had nothing to do with their sales. And now all of their big competitors are competing on Instagram and selling, and that's now 10% of sales. And they just weren't ready to capitalize on that opportunity. So I think one of the biggest things we see is how do you address mobile shopping behavior with customers? How do you serve an ad to someone somewhere and then know that they're the customer that walks in your store? A lot around consumer buying behavior across a lot of different technology is one of the things I think is changing the fastest. Um, I think a lot of business owners are also nervous about big business ability to take advantage of technology so much faster and just make what is hard even harder in terms of competing for customers. In terms of, think about the way Amazon can, you know, just open stores and, and you know, big businesses, our big business as, as an example. We've global got big, giant, our you know, global giant. Big business. You know, we have a lot of people in our business who are experts about how people are buying products differently or where we should be thinking about selling our products. And if you're a business, you just do not have that same infrastructure to tap into. And so one of the things that we hope to do with QuickBooks is be the company that helps tip the odds in your favor so that you can stay ahead of all the technology that's changing so much. An amazing question because your answer was all about really finding the clients who are going to pay you the money, who love what you do. And I think a lot of people out there think that it's easy because of online. It's actually unbelievably hard. It's easy to do it in your undies on your couch because that's what the business lets you do if you want. But it is hard to get that funnel, that sales funnel coming across. Do you think, what's the role of an accountant or a bookkeeper in in helping a customer answer that, that you think it's the number one question? Yeah, It's a great question. I think accountants and bookkeepers can play a big role in helping their clients understand, first, who is their target customer? A lot of businesses start out because they see a need that they're often solving for themselves in the market, but perhaps aren't their exact target market. And they get lots of input from friends and family of, you should sell here, you should sell you should sell there. And so I think advisors... Oh, everybody's an expert. Yeah, everybody everybody is an, everyone's an expert. <laughs> everybody's an expert. I think one of the things advisors can do is play a big role in who is your target customer? Where is that target customer to be found? And that might be through basic industry research or where competitors are selling or where might there be a market for your your product or service. And so I think advisors can pay a big role in pushing customers to find those. And frankly, when I talk to businesses, one of the number one things that they 
tell me that a bookkeeper or accountant helped them do was have the belief that they could expand a product line or that they could go and sell something. Business owners, you know, when you've got a business, it's so deeply personal to you. And sometimes you're not exactly sure, particularly if you don't understand your financial position, if you can take the leap and afford that advertising or what have you. And so advisors can play a big role. My company, SQL CFO, is a CFO advisory business. We're a franchise business. And when I talk to our franchisees about the sort of comments and advice they're having with their clients, they're probably one of the, the, the pro- most common pieces of work is customer analysis finding out where customers come from. And the reason I'm sharing this is a lot of accountants would have just heard your answer and said, nah, that's not what I'm doing. But here's the catch. Because of automation, because of capacity that's built through automating a practice, the skill of taking in data and analyzing data and advising on it is inherent in the skill set of an accountant. If you need to have a bit of a mindset to change a little bit, it's because it's a bit different, but that analytical skill and that inquiry that you have on data is inbuilt in our training. Yeah. Absolutely. And and just an aside, I my husband is a financial guy and so one of the areas <laughs> financial where financial guy, uh, just a financial guy. Uh, no, he I had a mini CEO or CFO, I should say, for my Etsy business and one of the biggest things he opened my eyes to was also what I should be charging customers for mm. my work. And he just felt like it was highly undervalued. And so that's also a big area where advisors can play a huge role. I think undervaluing is a massive problem, actually. Pricing is really hard. I think we have a lot of tech companies telling us how to price, but it's actually an extremely challenging thing to do. And I want to share a story with you. I'd love to get your your advice from, particularly about women, because you do a lot of work in helping women know what their worth is and put their worth into the market and get benefit from it. I heard a story a couple of weeks ago about a bookkeeper who was selling her firm for one times fees, which is about average in Australia. Unfortunately, not as high as what we'd all like it to be. Mm -hmm. She has one staff member, but she only has $75,000 in fees. This is an unusual business. I wouldn't buy it, but they're busy. So the only thing that's missing in that business is price. Do you think it's a problem that women are undervaluing themselves in the open competitive market? Yes. I often tell women, if I'm speaking an event, that I would be surprised if they could charge, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they could charge three times what they're charging customers for. I met a business in Los Angeles in the States last year who had sent an invoice out using QuickBooks and she was doing her invoicing at night with a glass of wine. Many of our customers do that. And she added an extra zero to an invoice for her consulting business. She meant to invoice $1,000. She invoiced 10000 And she didn't notice until the client paid it. Wow, I want these clients. Yeah, well, it it was a longer-term engagement, and she hadn't done a great job of even setting... One of the reasons she was only planning on invoicing 1000 is they hadn't set up a big fee structure of what would this be worth. And so finding that she needed to get paid, she decided to sort of lowball, but she was shocked at that, and she started adding more zeros, not always 1000 to 10000 and was constantly shocked that people would pay. It was almost her social experiment of, I'll add the zero, and then if they don't pay, I'll tell them it was a mistake. To be clear, the zero is before the decimal point. That's yeah, right. Yeah, That's right, before the decimal point. Yes. Spoken like a true CFO. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have paid it if it wasn't approved, but anyway, that's a separate story. What, how do you fix this? Well, first, I think small businesses in general can undervalue their services. Oftentimes, it's thinking about what they'd pay or perhaps 
you know, what someone in their network is saying they'd pay, not really being the target customer. And so in general, I think businesses should look hard at what kind of margin do you want to make to make sure you're paying yourself. This is critical for people who are self-employed because they don't necessarily think about some of the after tax, like what it really would take to pay themselves and have retirement and, and be ready for tax time. Really doing research of what kind of margin do you want to be making based on what your service or time or product actually costs. Doing some competitive research and thinking about where you're positioned in the market. Are you the high end? Are you the, you know, are you competing sort of at the same level? Um, and getting advice on what it's going to take depending on your goals to make it. There are some people who begin to freelance and it's not critical because that's not their main income stream. But if it is, I always suggest people to sit down with an advisor and really work out what is going to be viable for their business and to reach the goals that they want to reach. Self-employed sector is booming, really, and we hear about it through things like Deliveroo drivers, Uber drivers, Airtasker employees. Um, they have challenges, though, because they're essentially tens of thousands of micro-businesses. Yeah who still need to manage. I, I, I spoke to um, Levi Aaron, who's the country manager of Deliveroo in Australia. And he made a really interesting point. He said, you know, a lot of people think of them as, as just a Deliveroo driver, but they're not. They're also Uber drivers and they're, and they're doing all this stuff and they're, they're hard workers and they're earning a decent wage, but they have very unique challenges. What do you, yeah. you see in these micro-businesses as, as being challenges? Yeah. Well, for sure, the, the future of work is changing. And like you said, we're only going to see this grow... I think self-employment is not for everyone, but it is a, for, for people like the Uber driver I met yesterday who recently moved here, has not been able to find a job yet, has multiple degrees. It's a great way to open an app and start earning a living, which there are, you know, 10 years ago, there were far less opportunities to do that. But both for the people who use it as a side gig, a little bit of income, or like you said, you know, might be working for multiple platforms at once, or for people who are in more traditional self-employed, you know, freelancing, real estate, design, et cetera, the challenges are the same. One is understanding that there is going to be a chunk of your income that is going to be due at tax time. And many small self-employed folks just underestimate the value of that, particularly people who have been earning a steady paycheck. And so they might not think about what they'll owe at taxes or how their benefits will go or if they're saving enough time and money to have a vacation. I think a lot of it is just self-employment brings so many challenges and your world is mixed across business and personal expenses that really sorting through all of that and understanding where you stand is really hard. I think small business or self-employed, I should say, I think of people as lots of, you know, micro businesses. A lot of people who are self-employed will also tell you that even if they're in a big job where they're making a lot of money, the, the fear of sort of client, the next client drying up is, is still something that is of considerable stress. And that's something where we see it with the more white collar self-employed um, and, 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 and perhaps the extremely well-educated. It has never been easier to start a bookkeeping or accounting business. It's it's extremely. You need a, a Chromebook, which you can get for less than five hundred bucks, an average internet connection, get your regulations ticked off, and you're you're ready to go. Let's talk about that part of the self-employed market. Who really are a lot of our listeners out there as well. Their challenges are a bit different. They're usually professional services. What do you think the the opportunities and challenges are in that yeah. segment? 
What I hear from from people in professional services is one piece is finding your niche of how you're going to differentiate your services. If you don't already have an ex, an existing base of clients, really thinking about what is your strategy to go get clients and which clients. We hear from a lot of advisors here just deciding. It's one of the reasons that joining to be a pro advisor or working with lots of the software choices here is important. It's just a way to get clients, but that is often one of the things I hear a lot about. Um, I think there's also just a view of what is going to be the right amount of work. I meet so many people in professional services who are just working you know, 24-7 because they don't have the confidence in how much money they have saved or what the, the pipeline of work is going to look like. And so I see a lot of burnout as a, you know, to be honest, as one of the challenges I see. Um, we talk about burnout a lot on the show, listeners. Um, go check out our mental health episodes that where Paul and I spoke, shared our stories and also given tips. Um, and I'd just like to take this opportunity, if that burnout relationship is something that you're looking at, go check out Beyond Blue. There's lots of resources. CA, CPA and IPA also have a lot of mental health resources that can help listeners as well. Let's continue this conversation of, of women, though. You're a big, major driver of the Intuit Women's Network. What is it? Can we access it? Well, I don't think it's necessarily for me, although I think that solving women's problems in the workplace needs collaboration with men. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah. Well, Intuit has 11 different employee networks. So they're employee-sponsored networks and communities where like-minded, passionate about the same topic. Employees come together. You can join as many of them as you like. The one that is um, closest to my heart is the Intuit Women's Network. I'm the executive sponsor. And our mission is to power prosperity for and through women. And so we take Intuit's mission and think about what does that look like for the women at Intuit, but also the women that we serve. And so where it does not, it doesn't give direct access to the market, but hopefully has direct impact on the market is we think about what are some of the things that QuickBooks should do, for example, to champion causes for women that might not come up on the radar naturally for the business, but that we can lend voice to. And so we'll think about adding, as we roll out something like Project Profitability, one of the things we're talking a lot about is sponsoring content about how women think about charging for their services. You know, just added voice of thinking about all of the women in the world who power small business, and and we think of ourselves as advocates for them. So these are ideas, practically, on the ground, what happens? What are the outcomes? Yeah. So on the ground, we do everything from training inside into it for women. um, And what? And really for any men. So how you deal with imposter syndrome, what it looks like to speak up in a meeting, what it looks like training both women, as you said, it's for everybody. What does it look like to be an ally to a woman in a meeting where she's getting talked over? Just really practical tactical things that can make a big difference. We push our leaders inside on representation. We look at their numbers and push on how they are thinking about bringing women forward in the promotion process who might not be raising their hands. And so we focus on really tactical, specific things of what can we do to create more opportunity for women, for women to see more opportunity at Intuit. And then on the small business side, very specific 
programs that might benefit women. One of the things that started sponsored by our women's network in India was a program called Intuit Again. The team identified that women who had left the workforce to maybe have a baby had a hard time coming back into the workforce at the same level perhaps they had left. And so the team started a small pilot of a training program where women could come in and get a position sort of in a roster of spots and get some training. And it's been really successful. We started to roll it out in the US. And so that's an example of a small but mighty program that could really impact the, the lives of women that, that you'll see our employee network sponsor. I think that the, um, the, that brief curriculum that you shared with us, what is imposter syndrome, how to speak up in a meeting, how a male can support a female in a meeting who's being perhaps mansplained to or, or spoken yeah. to. <laughs> There'll be a lot of interest in this. Is this open? Is this available to your pro-advisory community? Yeah, well... part of your training, broader out, outbound training? We I would, think people would we love would to see We would be happy. It. We have so much training, and not just about women, but about being an inclusive and not only diverse, but an inclusive workforce. And so we could absolutely share more of that to our pro-advisor community. I, no, don't I think, think it would be very well received. Wonderful. If you do, let us know. We'd okay. love to showcase it. Okay. Cassie, thank you very much for coming on From the Trenches. Uh, is there any final message you have for our listeners out there? Are there many, I'm going to call them party goers downstairs at QuickBooks Connect. Ooh. You know, I am so honoured to be here with the party goers. You're accepting of the, uh, the American and so thrilled to be powering success in Australia and around the world. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at PaulMeissner underscore or on LinkedIn, PaulMeissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar.